go loopy loo. Here we go loopy light. Here we go loopy loo. All on a Saturday night. Hello, this is Luby with Luby's Lullabies. And I'm continuing on a little bit more from the book, The Music Shop by Rachel Joyce. And we were talking in my last podcast about the man who only liked Chopin. So he's now gone into the music booth um, to listen to the piece of music that was selected by Frank for him, although he was sure he wouldn't like it because it wasn't anything like the sort of music he normally listens to, which of course is Chopin. So this one, this chapter is called, Oh No, Not My Baby. Tick, tick, it was dark inside the booth with a hushed feeling like hiding in a cupboard. The silence fizzed. Everyone had warned him. Be careful, they'd said. He just wouldn't listen. So he asked her to marry him and he couldn't believe his luck when she said yes. Her so beautiful, him so ordinary. Then he took her a bottle of champagne after the wedding breakfast, and there she was, upside down in the honeymoon suite. At first he couldn't work it out. He had to really have a good look. He saw a dress like a sticky meringue, with four legs poking out, two with black socks, one with a garter. And then he realised it was his new wife and his best man. He left the bottle on the floor along with two glasses and shut the door. He couldn't get that picture out of his head. He played Chopin, he took pills from the doctor and none of it made a difference. He stopped going out, he cried at the drop of a hat. He felt so bad he called in sick at work. Tick, tick. The song started, a twang of guitar a blast of horns, a chirruping, sweet, sweet baby, and then a bam, 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 bam from percussion. What was Frank thinking? This wasn't the music he needed. He went to pull off his headphones. When my friends told me you had someone, no, began the singer. Sorry about this. Then this Arita, her voice clear and steady. I didn't believe a single word was true. It was like meeting a stranger in the dark, saying to them, you'll never guess what, and the stranger saying, hey, but that's exactly how it is for me. He stopped thinking about his wife and his sadness, and he listened to Arita as if she were a voice inside his head. She told him her story, something like this. Everyone said her man was a cheat, even her own mother said it but Arita wouldn't believe them. He was not like those other boys who led you on, who tell you lies. She started the song calmly enough, but by the time she got to the chorus, she was practically screaming the words. Her voice was a little bore and the music was a Japanese wave, but Arita kept riding it up and down. It was a downright pig-headed, the way she kept believing in him. There were strings, the bobble of the guitar, a horn riff, percussion, all telling her she was wrong. Whoa, she owed the bracking vocals like a Greek chorus of girlfriends. But no, she hung on tight. Her voice pulled the words this way and that, soaring up over the top and then scooping right down low. Arita knew. She knew how desperate it felt to love a cheat. How lonely. He sat very, very still and he listened. Frank shook a cigarette from the packet as he smoked. He watched the door of the booth. He hoped he wasn't wrong about this song. 
Sometimes all that people needed was to know they were not alone. Other times it was more a question of keeping them in touch with their feelings until they wore them out. People clung to what was familiar, even when it was painful. The thing about vinyl, his mother used to say, is that you have to look after it. He could picture Peg now in their white house by the sea, dressed in a turban and kimono as she played him Bach or Beethoven or whatever else she had delivered. Peg told stories about records, little things to help him listen, and she spoke about composers like lovers. She wore massive sunglasses even when it was raining, actually even when it was pitch black, and her arms were looped with so many bangles she jingled when she laughed. She had no interest in normal mothery things, jam sandwiches, for instance, cut into triangles, a nice casserole for his supper, or cherry linctus when he had a cough. If he showed her a shell or a ribbon of seaweed, she tended to lob it straight back at the sea, and whenever she, she drove the old rover into town, it was Frank who had to remind her about the handbrake. She had an unfortunate habit of rolling forward. Yes, being a regular mother was an anathema to Peg, but when it came to vinyl, she displayed a care that verged on sacred, and she could talk music for hours. The song began to fade. The door of the booth gave a click and opened. Off went those mother-of-pearl mother birds, shaking their wings and taking flight. The man who only liked Chopin didn't come out. He stood at the door, looking candle-wax white and a bit sick. Well, said Frank, how was it? Well, over the counter, Maud, uh, Father Anthony and Saturday Kit were all waiting too. Kit jumped first on one leg and then on the other. Father Anthony had his glasses lifted on top of his head and wore them like a hairband. Maud frowned. The man, who only liked Chopin, began to laugh. Well, that was something. How did you know I needed a Rita? How did you know that, Frank? Do what? I just played you a good song. Did Rita Franklin make any more records? Now it was Frank's turn to laugh. She did, actually. <coughs> You're in luck. She made a lot. She really liked singing. He played the whole record, side one and then side two. As he listened, Frank smoked and danced in the camp cramped space behind his turntable, rolling his shoulders and swinging his hips, watching him. Even Maud began to sway, while Kit did something that was possibly the funky chicken, but could equally uh, be to do with his new shoes hurting his feet. It was Arita at her best. Everyone should own a copy of Spirit in the Dark. Afterwards, Kit made cups of tea, and Frank listened at his turntable while the man told him about his wife, how he couldn't so much as touch her after the wedding, how she moved out a month ago to live with his best man. It was a relief, he said, just to tell someone all this. Frank nodded as he listened and reassured the man over and over that he could come to the shop whenever he needed. Just bang on the door if I'm not open. It doesn't matter what time it is. I'm always here. You don't need to be on your own. There were some small things, really, and pretty obvious ones, but the man smiled, and if Frank had given him a, as if Frank had given him a new, a brand new heart. Have you ever been in a mess like this, he asked. Have you ever been in love? Frank laughed. I'm done with all that. My shop is all I need. These days he hardly leaves, piped up Frank, uh, Father Anthony. Could I listen to my song again? Of course you can listen again. The man shut himself back in the booth, and Frank reset the needle on the vinyl. 
When my friends told me you had someone new, his gaze drifted to the window. So empty and quiet out there, nothing coming, nothing going, just the thin blue light, the cold. Frank could not play music, he could not read a score, he had no practical knowledge whatsoever, but when he sat in front of a customer and truly listened, he heard a kind of song, um, he heard a kind of song. He wasn't talking a full-blown symphony, it could be a few notes. At most, a strain, and it didn't happen all the time, only when he let go of being frank and inhabited a space that was more in the middle. It had been this way ever since he could remember. Intuition, Father Anthony called it. Weird shit, that was Maud. So, what did it matter that he had no one in particular in his life? He was happy, alone. He lit up another smoke, and then he saw her. She was looking at him. So that's the end of that chapter. And my goodness, it is a story and it's a lovely one, very poignant and a lovely, lovely tale. So I give you the first um, parts of The Music Shop by Rachel Joyce. I hope you've enjoyed that. This is Luby with Luba's Lullabies. Thank you.